Welcome back to It Was Murder, the number one heart-to-heart adjacent podcast in the world. <laughs> I'm your diehard romantic, Eric Blood. Uh, oh, and <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I forget what we're doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is weird because I'm wearing headphones and sitting in front of this giant microphone. <laughs> um, I'm the devoted lover, Alanito. And I'm the virgin voyager, Joe Garber. And some of you who uh, might be just joining us don't know what the fuck we're doing. And I thought it was a good time in this run <laughs> to, to, to just like let you know what we are actually doing. Oh, wow. So we used to, I say Heart to Heart Adjacent Podcast because yeah. we have already watched and discussed every episode and film of the series Heart to Heart and discussed it. Uh, now we are jumping off from the series finale of Heart to Heart with an actor that we watched something that they were in mm-hmm. and then we picked an actor from that and we watched something that they were in and we picked an actor from that and so on and so on. And thus we have Chain Reaction. It's like Which, we're base jumping and our bridge was heart to heart. Exactly. And uh, tonight we followed David Cronenberg <laughs> <laughs> to 1985's Not the director. Epic John Landis, uh, Los Angeles, Neo Noir, Into the Night. Into the Night. Hey guys, have you ever seen Into the Night? No? Well, let's tell, let's tell them what happens in the movie ellen you got a minute (laughs) do you have a minute (laughs) for you anytime thank you (laughs) okay all right uh 1985's john landis film into the night starring jeff goldblum michelle pfeiffer and every single director on the face of planet earth (laughs) okay every single white director all right here we go um it starts out, we meet Ed Oaken, and that's Jeff Goldblum, and he is experiencing prolonged uh, periods of insomnia, and we get the sense that it's just like, his life just isn't satisfying to him. Anyways, his wife is named Ellen, which I had totally forgotten about, which is amazing and not part of the plot, but she cheats on him, and then he still doesn't can't fix his insomnia, and so he uh, drives to the airport one night, and Michelle Pfeiffer enters the scene because she... Uh, witnesses a murder and escapes from a group of, I guess, Iranian uh, gangster guys, <laughs> secret police guys. And she jumps onto the hood of Jeff Goldblum's car and she's like, drive, drive, drive. And then they go everywhere. Um, They go to a boat. They go to an Elvis apartment. That's her brother's. And then they get in a car. This is the King Lives. And then they go to the movie set and Paul Mazursky's there. And then they go to the Beverly Wishire and David Bowie shows up. And then there's the scariest scene ever. And that's a minute. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So good. Nice. That's what happens. I started to get traction there in the last six seconds. I mean, it's that's how it works. We need like a warm up routine of some sort. (laughs) I need to get loose. (laughs) What, what's the like New York Nexus like the, the musical theater unique one New York oh, unique New York yeah, unique New York oh I was thinking we just take Gold loops Piper, and like Gold do this Piper, at a different time of day <laughs> you're, that's good too theater yeah, yeah we could just theater. do a round of zip zap zop <laughs> I don't know what that is the uh, ladies is that who loops? lunch <laughs> I wish um, okay <laughs> Ray 1980. Ray <laughs> 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 Jesus. Uh. Okay. Uh. Okay. Let's see. Uh, 
let's see if this is this is a hard one to try and sum up in a minute on the best of days okay 1985's into the night (laughs) um we open on some blues music that could only be made by a man named ira and then we meet uh jeff goldblum who hates his job and his wife is ineffectual to him and he can't sleep so he after finding out that she is cheating on him he drives to the airport and runs into Michelle Pfeiffer, who has just escaped a murder attempt or kidnap attempt or both. Um, she convinces him to drive her to the marina where they go. And there's a guy taking off his clothes in front of another guy. And then the guys that tried to kill her are there. And then she dri- she has him drive her to Hollywood where they meet an Elvis impersonator and his <laughs> boyfriend, question mark. And basically, we go to several locations all throughout Los Angeles, which would have taken him about seven days to drive to. <laughs> um, but luckily, it was 3.30 a.m., which everyone knows in L.A. means there are no cars anywhere, mm-hmm. not in parking lots, not on freeways, nowhere. Anyway, uh, every director is in this movie and there's a lot of blood. Shit. Wow. Ah. Wow. All right. Uh, it's impossible. We're getting there. We're slowly creeping towards <laughs> Joe, resolution. You, <laughs> Joe, you, Joe, you're, the, yeah. you're the master. We got he the always, beginning. He always wins. So. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> not. That's wrong. <laughs> Into the night. A man is basically having a midlife crisis and he can't sleep. He has insomnia. So he drives to the airport because I think he's going to maybe go to Vegas, but he doesn't decide to do that. And then a woman runs out. She gets attacked and her boyfriend partner gets killed and she runs and he saves her. But she doesn't want to tell the police what's going on. She doesn't want to tell him what's going on. So she just uses him to drive around L.A. for like the entire night. And they go to all these different places and everyone fucking hates her so much and does not want them and want her in their lives. She knows a rich guy and she finally gets to talk to the rich guy who she was his mistress for a long time but she actually really loves him and then the it turns out that she had stolen or smuggled in some emeralds or jewels or something from a crown from somewhere and there's a bunch of people that want those jewels so they she sends uh jeff goldblum in to the kingpin uh, who's this beautiful amazing looking woman and she they say well once we're free and safe we'll give you the the location of the jewels so they go to the airport and they try to fly away but they get deplaned and then there's a hostage negotiation to the airport and she gets they get shot and the guy shoots himself and then they're in a hotel and she's like can i get a ride to the airport and that's the end i can't believe wow. it i cannot wow, believe you Joe, i just was i incredible. just wanted to get to the end <laughs> masterful <laughs> no. thank you so much i don't know master joda so curious if like people just... could un- could follow any of that <laughs> yes uh, you did it you did it uh, so joe I asked this. It's yes. tradition now because Ellen and I have seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Into the Night? I fucking loved it. Yay! Oh, wow. This, it I was, wasn't expecting that. Oh, really? It was so like refreshing in a in a lot of ways. There are I have some I have some issues. So sure. do I. But what do you guys think? Like when did you first see this movie? Oh. And how do you know about it? I saw it on cable. Um I it would show up on late night cable every once in a while. Mm. So this movie was not a hit. Mm. It was not very well reviewed, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just massively misunderstood, but it got dumped on cable after a bad run in the theater. Mm -hmm. And I would catch like five minutes here, five minutes there. It always seemed like the most interesting movie to me. 
Um, but I could never see the entire thing. I feel like they do that with movies sometimes that don't do that well. They they play them a ton on cable. And then that's how I, the Royal Tenenbaums for me, I hated it when I saw it in the theater. And then it, they just played it over and over again. And then I loved it so much. Home video and cable is responsible for like yeah. so many of the movies that we consider classics from the 80s and 90s. Spe- they just specifically. knew. They were like, no, this is actually good. No, they this. didn't know. It just that's that's how it happened. Like it, it organically became the breeding ground for because of kids like us who like grew up with cable mm-hmm. and would you know sometimes stay up late and watch the weird movie that got dumped on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't see it in full until like ten years ago. Mm. Wow! And wow. I I loved it so much, uh, and my feelings on it have changed a bit. Oh. Uh, but I still think it's such a fucking fun movie, and I'm so happy that you liked it. <laughs> what, Alan, how did you find out about this movie? Well, I saw it in the theater mm. when it came out. <laughs> and what did you think of it? What did I think of it I when I saw it then? Right up, right off the bat. Now, <laughs> kind of, we kind of switched, but it's okay. I mean, when I saw it in the theater, I really loved it, and mm. I even then I was could get really get into really like maybe not awesome moves like putting 11 directors into your movie um, (laughs) you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. but um i also had first seen jeff goldblum um a few years earlier when he was in a tv series called 10 speed and brown shoe that i totally loved i totally loved that show i haven't seen it (laughs) since i first saw it when it was on television and I <laughs> one thing that chain reaction has really made clear to me is that <laughs> things change. Like it doesn't mean that I don't still have love for these things, but it's a different kind of love. And Joe, you've touched on it before and things where you've um, kind of like jacuzzi of nostalgia, <laughs> uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Like jacuzzi, jacuzzi, <laughs> nostalgia. Jacuzzi, and like, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> but, but it's like, yeah, yeah, I can own that. It's mm-hmm. like, um, you don't have to be perfect for me to love you. Right. What's, and wh- we can change and I'll still love you because I loved that time that we had together. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's like I just love different things about you into the night. But well, wait, um, what, what was the premise of, yeah, what was the premise of okay. 10 Speed and Brown Shoe? 10 Speed and Brown Shoe. <laughs> um, ben Vereen is 10 Speed and he is a con artist. And it's just just Ben Vereen. I mean, like it's Pippin, you guys, and it's Ben Vereen's just like so Ben Vereeny and really charming. And Jeff Goldblum is Brown Shoe, and he's like a accountant hmm. who you know is I I mean he's a detective, I guess. But oh. so it's sort of like a riff on like buddy cop movies or something. But hmm. I mean. I have a weird feeling that if I watched it, it would just be horrific. But at the time, I mean, it's like 1980 something or 1980 ish. And I just I don't know. I just loved it. And I had such a crush on Jeff Goldblum at that time. Yeah. And so, yeah, time goes on. Jeff Goldblum's in Into the Night. But obviously Into the Night just had that cool it just has a cool thing like the poster for it is so cool yeah like it's just like yeah just kind of of the moment and like i'm down i'm down for that kind of 
darkness and adventure and all of it. And also, even as a kid, a night owl, which was fully supported Mm. by one of my parents, the one who was a night owl. (laughs) And so I think there's just a lot of things that I would love it would have, you know, really set me up, teed me up to love that movie. But I did love it. And it was like rated R. Um, Yeah, it's a hard R. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's a hard R, and that's something that I thought about a lot this time when I watched it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it wasn't like I was still of the age where it was like, hee, 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 rated R, um, because I considered myself even then to be someone who could handle serious content, <laughs> um, which may or may not have been true, dear Hunter. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't There's... know. That was the little disjointed, but. I saw it in the theater and I loved it. Yeah. And were you in love with Jeff Goldblum when you were like going into that theater? You were like, yeah, Jeff I mean, Goldblum yeah, is slamming. Yeah, I really, you know, I just really. Yeah. <laughs> 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 sounds so sounds so stupid now, but I mean, no. now Jeff Goldblum is like such a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's amazing, but it's kind of funny. I just, you know, I was, I, I hate to say, like, I, I was a nerd, but it's like that's. I just just have an affinity for the awkward. Well, like I'm not nerdy at all, so it's hard to relate. <laughs> but I can have sympathy because I, I don't it's have any nerdy qualities. So hard. I know. But Jeff Goldblum. Try Joe. What if you tried? <laughs> I'll try to relate. You tried Jeff Goldblum. Oh. For me, when I when we talked about this movie, him being in it, it's a little bit now. I. Jeff Goldblum has become like a Wes Anderson <laughs> sort of thing to me where he's sort of eating his own tail a little bit. And he's Punching got this dogs. Like, yeah, he's got the <laughs> shooting dogs on an elevator. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's got this brand that he just does. And I, I don't I don't know. It just I don't love what Jeff Goldblum has become. But this version of Jeff Goldblum, I could see how you would fall in love with that. And like, it's incredible. He's a really amazing actor. and. The way he is in this movie, he's so like it's like self-aware or something of his of his role. I don't know. There's there's like a intelligence there that he portrays that's really great. And as a leading person in this movie, especially, was really really good. Mm-hmm. I loved him in this. I just I don't know. Like the Bill Murray, the Jeff Goldblum, that like cult of personality thing that they've both got going on i think i maybe i'm like too contrarian for it and i like (laughs) instantly start being like well i don't like that yeah (laughs) so maybe that's the problem but i i don't like jeff goldblum in this movie very much really yeah why i knew that this was going to start a fight but Uh (laughs) Uh, no not at all i uh i love i do love jeff goldblum and it is mostly because of his apartments the, commercials. Well, just because of the amount of time that I've spent with that actor, mm-hmm. you know, like I've seen, I've seen him do a million things and I've seen his, his true like character kind of evolve into what we, what we know today. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing it in this movie, which is relatively early in his career, it's really neat. Like, it's really cool to see like, Oh, that's, there's Jeff Goldblum doing Jeff Goldblum shit. In a time when he wasn't like you wouldn't say like, oh, Jeff Goldblum is perfect for this. Like, (laughs) like, you know, it's just not it's like a weird it's weird that he's in this to me. It's weird Hmm. to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you don't like him in it. What's your issue? Okay, let me let me hedge this a little bit. I I don't like him in this. 
but I don't think it's his fault. I think it's John Landis's fault. Oh. Mm. Um, and I'm not going to talk shit, massive shit about John Landis. I love John Landis. Uh, I love John Landis's movies. Uh, I love Into the Night. I think he he made something that has been copied a million times that no one still really recognizes as an OG, mm-hmm. which is Into the Night. Um, this this kind of madcap comedy noir. Yeah. Um, so I I love I love so much of this movie and so much of of John Landis's work in general. Mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum. I don't think that John Landis got Jeff Goldblum. I uh, maybe mm-hmm. is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Like I I feel like he wasn't given mm-hmm. like a lot of the performance choices. At least the choices of what ended up in the film mm-hmm. seem a little off to me. Like mm-hmm. like disjointed. Like taking like Jeff Goldblum was on this tear like this jazzy little streak for this scene and then he mm. tried something different and they used pieces of each oh. and there's a bit of an aphasia like there's oh. the scene where he's with shaheen at the end mm-hmm. uh where he's trying to convince her to give him the money so that he can mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. uh go go meet up with michelle pfeiffer and then they're going to tell her where the where the jewels are and blah mm-hmm. blah blah bob drunk uh He's doing this Chevy Chase thing <laughs> that I I thought for a minute it was like, did John Landis want Chevy Chase for this? But then Fletch got in the way because this, this uh. whole thing <laughs> is Chevy Chase. The entire like the way it's written, the way it's delivered, it's mm. you know lie upon lie in increasingly absurd scenarios. That part was kind of confusing. It was just him being funny. Yeah, but it wasn't but it, funny and it was weird. Well, because it's a, it just, Chevy Chase would have, you would have laughed if Chevy Chase did it. Right. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it was a try, like he was trying something mm-hmm. and it didn't mm-hmm. necessarily work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John Landis yeah, was like, that, that's the one. Even that uh, character is confused yeah. about, well, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what, why are you telling me all these lies? And she, it gets, it just confuses the we whole also, situation. And also remember, huh. this guy has not slept. He's yeah, like right, exactly. <laughs> he's been right. awake for like several months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I mean, there is something weird about thinking about being a having a <laughs> I mean, I guess a, it's a a childhood crush or like a tween and teen crush on Jeff Goldblum because of 10 speed and brown shoe. Um <laughs> And then seeing him in this film and then now like Goldblum now, like all, mm. what? Like, I don't, I'm just like, I understand what you're saying, Joe. Mm. And that's very you reaction, <laughs> but, I, uh, but I understand, mm. I understand where you're coming from. Of course, mm-hmm. I totally mm-hmm. get that. But I think it's just kind of like, I appreciate Jeff Goldblum. And I sometimes wonder if it's partly because of that very early crush Mm -hmm. on him and like i can kind of see that there's a type there there's Mm -hmm. a type that i thought perceived jeff goldblum to be and Mm -hmm. what he embodied to me at that time and that Mm -hmm. that felt safe and good and and felt like a a sort of a weird kinship or something Mm -hmm. but you know um i listened to like normally i don't really well, I, I don't know. It's, I shouldn't brag about this. I'm not. This is not a brag. Normally, I don't really scratch around very much about the things that we're going to watch. Sometimes <laughs> I am like barely like getting it done before we roll up to the mic. Um, and, but this time um, today at work, why am I announcing that? I listened to um, an interview from the 
Blu-ray, I think, oh. release of Into the Night. Uh-huh. And it's, I guess, Shout Factory did um, a podcast. And the weirdly, the first episode that they do is um, with, it's a, a super, a very long and kind of long seeming um, in a weird way interview with Jeff Goldblum. And he talks, Joe, you can't, you can't listen to this. You should not listen to this. Um, (laughs) I mean, like what you're about to say or no, no, don't listen to this podcast. Oh, okay. Don't do that. It's not not safe for you in terms of where you're at with Goldblum. Uh Um, But yeah, Eric, like it was like kind of weird, like a little bit. Is it insufferable? I don't know. But the way that he um, talks about the film and about the character, because he's talking like just exclusively about Into the Night. It Mm. is Jeff Goldblum talking about Into the Night. And he talks a lot about how how he feels about the character, how he might have done it differently. It's really interesting. And he um, is super fluent in his memories and references about the making of the film in a way that's really interesting and endearing and i don't know i would i would recommend it it's it might be like a little tough depending on where you're at in your gold bloom feelings at at any (laughs) given moment but um it's very you know actory but he is among many things an actor but there's something that that i really enjoyed about it as i kind of like leaned in and out from it um, while I was had it on, um, the affection that he has for the character and the acknowledgement of some of the ways that he would have done it differently. They're not necessarily criticisms. It's mm-hmm. just like a, a wild, uh, almost stream of consciousness thing that I think anyone who kind of, who loves the film mm-hmm. for in whatever way, might really enjoy. So I do recommend that and it's out there on the internet. I'm going to look that up. That sounds like something I would love to listen to. I love Jeff Goldblum. I love the weird Jeff Goldblum. I I personally like love old Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Um, I think he has, he has ripened into his age. Like he is, Mm -hmm. he's just like, he is what he is always meant to be. And I think that's so cool when people get to be that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like he had a lot of, uh, a lot of trouble getting there like it's and that's not a dig or anything that's like it's just like it seems mm-hmm. to me natural yeah it mm-hmm. seems like uh, he became who he was meant to become yeah um, all right well you're getting... gonna love that thing you're gonna love that thing and it's gonna it's gonna add a add a layer to into the night for you Sweet. that's for like sure. um I think it's my it, it wraps up with my whole problem with just actors being themselves in movies. I just yeah. I have a right. problem with right. that. Yeah. And that, like my thing where I told you, Eric, that now Jack Nicholson just hosts movies. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> yeah. When they start hosting movies. Yeah. Where there's this whole new the White House plumbers thing with oh, Woody God. Harrelson yeah, and Justin could, Thoreau. I, I and tried. it's just I like I saw some bus ad that was like the acting is stupendous or like the perfect actors. And it's like, is it really yeah. like, is that the perfect actors? I don't know. I mean, I lo- I obviously love actors. Like we, we, we base. And I obviously am low key obsessed with Watergate. <laughs> yes. Which I keep oh, meaning yeah. to ask story. you if you've True watched, <laughs> uh, if you've watched White House Plumbers. I haven't yet. Yeah. I, I, I yet. couldn't, I couldn't hang. I couldn't hang. Oh, you tried? Yeah. Oh, okay. I couldn't hang. But it's not, um, it's not what we're here to talk about. No, we're here to talk about... <laughs> right, whoops. 1985's phenomenal Into the Night. Okay. Um, the... <laughs> well, wait, Ellen's excited. 
Go ahead. I know, but, but I, I'm willing to wait for you to, to go go wherever you're going. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily going. going anywhere. Take us in your back. king's, in your Elvis car to where you were going. <laughs> the king lives. The king lives. Um, Bruce, Bruce <laughs> McGill. I love Bruce McGill. Who's that? He was the Elvis impersonator. Okay. When they walk into that apartment. <laughs> so amazing. This, I, that is so incredible because you're already just... This ride, it's a roller coaster of, and I love movies that take place over the course of an, a single night. Me There's something too. so cozy about I'm that. I'm so premise. ready to talk about that. Yeah, but but the, when they walk into this apartment, she's like, "Oh, there's a safe place here. Let's walk into this apartment," and it's coated in Elvis memorabilia. Yeah, and every single surface of that apartment is elvis and even she like goes they show her going to the closet and there's elvis shit yes everywhere <laughs> that is amazing and so surreal and fucking weird and great and it throws you off and you're just like you're so confused at that point and it's that was so it, great because there are no clues given to us yeah about michelle pfeiffer's character at all mm -hmm. and the very spare amounts of conversation that she and Jeff Goldblum have when he like drives off and, you know, rescues her from a certain death at the hands of uh, these, mur this murderous gang. Like mm -hmm. it, it's weird. Like there's, she's like, take me to the Marina. And I am like this time around, I was like, what Marina? Yeah. They end up at the Marina. And mm -hmm. so the first glimpse we get into her character um yeah because they're already doing the thing where she's doing whatever she wants kind of like uh, uh and she i don't know you know right away like it's shadier than you might think so yeah. she has this crazy interaction um about what is the name of the boat it's like jack's, jack's, jack's boat, boat which jack's is my, like... my favorite joke in the movie is when they pull up to jack's boat that says jack's boat on the side really big and he turns <laughs> to michelle Pfeiffer and says is this your boat is this your boat <laughs> <laughs> that's so good it's so funny <laughs> and then jake comes out uh, um yeah but yeah, when you get when they get to the apartment that ends up being it's her brother who is the Elvis impersonator, mm -hmm. her brother's apartment. The set dressing on that mm -hmm. is amazing, but you mm -hmm. still like there's some moments where it's like you're kind of thinking like that doesn't align. That's yes. not her apartment. But mm -hmm. then you're also kind of thinking like, or is it like what's because she's on? putting on her clothes? So you're like Whoa. her clothes that are in a pile on the floor. Yeah, this yeah. my one of my favorite things about this movie is the lack of exposition that it's mm -hmm. literally just, yeah, just totally. constantly showing you things. The only exposition moments are when they explain why any of this is happening, which is six perfect emeralds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is right. Like, honestly, the the least interesting part of this movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Is the, the so-called crime. Yeah. Right. The. Yeah, the failed caper aspect is just, you know, doesn't even really hold hold its place. No, because it's a road movie. It's like a it's a yeah. road it's a road movie mm -hmm. in one night. Mm -hmm. But there's like I wanna acknowledge like that there's a setup also for Jeff Goldblum's car to get towed. Yes. And they're set up by these two people like <laughs> li who live in the alley and they warn him. And so, of course, you know <laughs> what's going to happen. But Waldo Salt is one of the yes. oh. people in the alley. And 
that's just that's like a thing even though i was kind of dissing on it where it's like oh i'm in every director in the world but it's like i do uh like cameos by maybe not directors but like waldo salt is best known for writing what mm. i think are some of just some really really great shit a uh, waldo salt salt wrote uh midnight cowboy yeah. oh. oh okay. and serpico among mm. other things um huh. I don't know. It's just a funny, weird thing. It um, is so strange. I want to jump in, even though it takes us away from, from this movie in a way. I, I want to talk about 1985 and 1986 in the world of these kinds of movies. Mm. And Please. I'm connecting it to the one of the director cameos, which is Jonathan Demme. Yes. And the very next year, Ugh. Jonathan Demme's film uh, Something, Something Wild. Wild is released, which is amazing but huh. it's part of this whole thing where you could look at it and say like oh there's a lot of movies that are this thing where it's like one full day which is such a great yes great way to hold a plot mm -hmm. you know and and focus on characters but there's just always room in our lives in media for middle-aged malaise midlife crisis yeah. dissatisfaction like mm -hmm. existential angst in the context mm -hmm. of you know, your boring life or your buttoned up life or whatever. And so in 1985 and 1986, in 1985, we have After Hours from Martin Scorsese. Yeah, same year as this, which someone on Letterboxd referred to Into the Night as West Coast After Hours. And they wow. are not wrong. They <laughs> are not wrong. Huh? Yeah. Um, there's then in 1986, Jonathan Demme's Something Wild, which is so... After hours, we have Griffin Dunn playing kind of like the yuppie-ish character that has the wild night. Um, in Something Wild, it's Jeff Daniels. Mm -hmm. God, Something Wild, so good. Yeah, God. let's and let's not say too so much about that movie. And then, <laughs> okay, yeah. Why? But I also want to point out, uh, 1985 is desperately seeking Susan. Yes. Oh. Um, huh. which has a female lead experiencing that dissatisfaction with oh. suburban life and what, another one and of my like, favorites. Uh, uh, troubled marriage and all of the things, right? And directed by Susan Seidelman, so female director as well. Cool, but. Who isn't Rosanna in this movie. Arquette? Rosanna Arquette <laughs> is also in After Hours. Yes, um, and she's the lead in Desperately Seeking Susan. But mm. anyways, it's like this great moment where people are making films that really stand, in my mind, stand the test of time. That all touch on this thing, which is like in the background is. I mean, people could say, "Oh, the background has many things. It has noir. It has murder. It has, you know." all of this mystery it has the chase but for me what it has is there's just these moments of time maybe not so much desperately seeking susan although it holds like a specific amount of time but there's just something about that empty space after hours and into the night in mm -hmm. particular that holds that beautiful silence that you can still have even in a place like new york city mm -hmm. just like the emptiness mm -hmm. and maybe I mean, I always love that emptiness as an all night owls do, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's to me one of the things that motivates you mm -hmm. to stay awake is that it the world's different. Yeah. That's night is different. Yes. As in this is maybe specific to this time, this era that we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, I have found that in the early mornings. <laughs> oh, because yeah. the nights have been taken. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
early morning, the Silver Lake nights. Well, like, and and I'm saying early morning, meaning like eight a.m. Like mm-hmm. eight a.m. If if you're in L.A. and you're awake at eight a.m., you can do everything the city has to offer yeah. before anyone is awake. Yeah, and it's kind really? of it's kind of fantastic. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but yes, this this era, um, this era of of it happened one night films. These these uh. <laughs> Yeah. That was my favorite genre of movie mm-hmm. when I was in this time in 1986 mm-hmm. specifically because mm-hmm. 1986 is when Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out, uh, right. which was the movie that made me just believe that movies were the only thing that mattered at uh-huh. all. Um, I love a movie that takes place in one night. I think it all goes back for me. It goes back to American Graffiti, oh, which yeah. is the first oh, like, yeah. like mm-hmm. following Ma- a- masterclass. Correct. Yeah, like yeah. it's following everybody. A, a disparate per- group of people throughout mm. one night in mm. any in anywhere. It can, this can be done anywhere. Uh, Last picture show, actually, shit. Oh. Last yeah. picture show does it even before that. Doesn't Days and Confused? Oh, Days and Confused is yeah. another one, and like mm. a, a modern one is Vast of Night, uh, and yeah. that's like sci-fi oh. does doing it, Vast of which Night is so, so fantastic. Good. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, my favorite style of movie. It's it's always been my favorite style of movie. I've. I also have an affinity for road movies, so it's and they mm-hmm. share a, a certain genealogy mm-hmm. um, where you are introduced by happenstance to crazy fucking characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And John Landis is really good at this. Like it's so fun. I think the movie should have been called Interiors for one because oh my god. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> Someone already took that. Name. Not, yeah. <laughs> Boring. That's only <laughs> that only happens title. in one house. <laughs> 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 Although I think isn't that also just one night? <laughs> <laughs> One boring, boring, sad night. Mm-hmm. We've just found the next podcast. It it happened one night. Ooh. Coming mm-hmm. soon, our next I mean, podcast. I I love it. We could we could go on for a long time about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but damn, there are so there's so many amazing 1985 interiors <laughs> in this place. Like yeah. just this weird, like Rococo uh excess mm-hmm. just just like row cocaine row cocaine that's great <laughs> that's it it really is especially that the penthouse that he goes up to with the food oh. on the in the kitchen oh, wow. that shot of the like rainbow ribs the cucumber <laughs> fish and a full turkey i don't understand the turkey i i have so many questions about the turkey also, I like the rainbow colored little, um, the little things, the bone things. Like what the do they call the little paper ruffles? Mm-hmm. The penthouse, the bathroom in the, I want to say nightclub, uh, the, with the black toilets. Oh yeah, what's more Scarface than the black toilets? Oh, with the big, like painting of the woman. Yeah, <laughs> that, and then the, the Klimtish painting, and then he's just looking in the mirror, yeah, so and weird. then a man walks out, and then a woman walks out and gets dressed. Love that because they were just in there doing whatever, and she's just like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" Yeah, and like fixes fixes her hair <laughs> right. and walks out. Classic comedic, like poke in the eye of suburban squares. Uh huh. Moment, right? Yeah. Um, a, so, I have to just just call it out how Jim Henson's on the phone in the Beverly Wilshire thing. Yes, that's Jim Henson. Yes, yeah. What the fuck? Why? <laughs> I because, love that. That like, scene makes me happy. I just, just like, love seeing well, Jim Henson. That's amazing. I knew that was like something. I was I was confused because they, they were obviously there was something about that person because mm. so everybody in the movie is someone. 
there's everybody is is, so a, is a person everybody uh. is a is a person of note. <laughs> uh-huh. um most of them are directors there's what is there 16 there's 11 directors, 11 directors oh in this movie oh my god um and part of it is that uh the year previous or two years previous mm-hmm. um john landis was part of the twilight zone movie and his segment of the film oh god uh resulted in an accident that killed two children and vic morrow wait what yeah he yeah. he it was in a helicopter stunt basically Ooh, that mm-hmm. went right. awry we've talked about this before yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. we've talked about john landis before and yeah this mm-hmm. this is this happened before this. Oh shit! And what it what it's theorized, and it seems pretty obvious, is that this is a bunch of directors showing their support of John Landis, mm. um, saying like it's you're still mm. <laughs> you're still okay, like wow. like something horrible happened. God, but you're you're not a you're not invalid as a as an artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, still. <laughs> That's what what that means to the families of the people that died. It, I I don't even right. You mean like Jennifer it. Jason Lee? Yeah. Um, and those the children. I mean that was just so, such a shocking and terrible, horrible. Yeah. Um, what, wait, what does Jennifer Jason Lee have to do with it? Vic Morrow's her father. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Jesus. Um, God. Wow. Her wow. But yeah, it was it was the 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 directors, the amount of direct the sheer amount of directors in this movie is uh aside from just being kind of a thing that the this any of these directors actually that are in this movie all do the same thing. Like they're all cast in their movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh like the the Zuckers and the uh Jim Henson being in this. It's like like Frank Oz isn't in it, but they do call him on the white courtesy phone at the airport. Right. Uh, and <laughs> Dan right. Aykroyd mm-hmm. is in this for a split yeah. second. Like mm-hmm. everybody is someone, and this is a this is a technique that's used employed by Jonathan Demi, who's also in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. Lawrence Kasdan, who's also in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. I think it's a yeah, it's at the a airport. Treat. Frank Oskovitz. Yes. <laughs> it's what Hideo Kojima's oh. doing now. And and uh, John Landis, the director of this movie, is one of the Iranian. Uh, Keystone Killers. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. The like the yeah. main one that makes eye contact with Jeff. The Goldblum one that never or... speaks yeah. and has yeah. the glasses. With those, oh. the scars. And the, yeah. yeah, he has the slit throat scar. That's so good. Oh yeah. And the, it's like his eye and the, his throat. Yeah, I that's love John Landis. <laughs> another interior when they're those guys. These like hitmen are getting new suits made. Yes, they're all and they're just hanging out with these women at the tailors, and they have like shrimp cocktail and the whole spread of food that they're eating while they watch at probably like three in the morning at this point it's three thirty a.m yes. to watch these <laughs> hitmen get suits made where they go running out and they 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 always they're like so slapsticky yes it's really oh, yeah. it's keystone screwball. cops yeah but that <laughs> was such a wild scene i love that scene the tailor is jonathan oh. lynn who is oh the god. director of Clue? <laughs> oh my god! I had no idea. And don't don't think I didn't think about it. Oh, trust me, I <laughs> that was my first link. Holy shit! Is John is John Landis? A, he's a producer of Clue, right? Is he a producer on Clue? I or who am I so. thinking of? Um, but oh man, um, oh this movie. 
there's there's some elements of the humor that I think mm. maybe for the two of you, maybe it's like like, oh, Ellen's gonna that's too waka waka, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if it's because this movie also is at points saturated in unnecessary, like over the top bloodbath yes. violence. violence. That's that maybe that balances it out. Like there's something about the noir vibes and the pacing of it and the over the top uh, violence that's played off. Weirdly, sometimes for laughs, and other times yeah. it's just wretched so and like kind weird. of like a like shocking. Um, like it just really keeps you <sighs> off balance, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that <laughs> I appreciate about the film is that things that seem like maybe too disjointed or or just you know not done well actually end up leaving you really off kilter, mm-hmm. which I think is a really interesting device because that's mm-hmm. where. Jeff Goldblum's character is at Mm -hmm. and to some degree Michelle Pfeiffer's character but just like there's that weird thing where it's like you're you're laughing you kind of let down your guard a little bit and feel a little comfortable and then it's just like oh shit oh Catherine Harold oh my god did that just happen what Uh, the hell that that, is that her friend on the beach yeah that's the moment I'm thinking of I hate that too but it does raise the stakes it does make it more scary but the way that those guys they like they like accordion onto each other trying to get through that door, like the three stooges mm-hmm. and then shoot mm-hmm. the door handle off the door, <laughs> like so slapstick. And then mm-hmm. chase a woman screaming woman on the beach and then drown her. And the, and it shot like from her perspective of this group of men drowning her. And it's so horrific, Yeah, but it is, it like sort of feels like it's for laughs, but sort of feels like it's supposed to be shocking. Some it's, of it is for laughs. Like they, it's they, yeah, they really take off all their, take watches, their watches and, yeah. off and leave them at the edge of to the go water into the water to drown in. her. That's yeah. and we see her body, yeah, her dead body. Yeah. Oh my god, um, being laughed at by the waves. There's that. the the neighbors like having a blase moment uh-huh. over breakfast. Like, yeah, where well, they like, just watch oh, her get oh, drowned. Basically, come look at this. Oh, we should call the police. But that's just the setup because the police do come uh-huh. and then, you know, there's a whole nother direction that it goes Yeah, in. but that was just like, it's like unnecessary and like them, there's a dog on an elevator that barks when it the doors open and they just immediately start shooting it and then they shoot these parrots. There's like, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of funny, like the, that's, the, I don't know, I've conflicted. Sh- <laughs> you know that I hate when they kill a dog in a yeah, movie, I yeah. hate it. Yeah. But this movie, I think, you, is so funny. Uh-huh. I think it is so funny when they but shoot they, that because dog. they don't show anything. Just like they, they're so high strung that they just start shooting. Yeah, like it's, a it's that dog it's, is it's, extreme. It's connected, <laughs> connected to the slapstick thing, and yeah, it's, it's like so wild. It's the waka waka that I actually just, I don't like. Yeah, I laugh at that because the way that they are ransacking the properties <laughs> yeah. must have been the most fun scenes yes, to film yeah. ever because there's a there's a scene where they take a rip like a stuffed marlin off the wall and plunge <laughs> it through a television set like it's just mayhem and it's so funny and it happens over and over and over again but then mm-hmm. it's cut with these things that feel comic but also feel kind of frightening yeah because it's like a frenzy and so there's multiple scenes where it's a man and a woman in the first two crazy ransacking scenes and it's it it's scary because yeah. like there's also a thing where it's like 
oh, um, are they just crazy or are they incompetent? Like mm-hmm. you're still kind of like they're bumbling, but at the same time, the violence level of violence is intense. Mm-hmm. The level of menace feels intense. They're feeling and, up that girl, like the people in the oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Like, touching her thigh. So, again, that's that's that weird off kilter thing. Like it's mm-hmm. really a strange thing. It's it to me. Like I can't think of an earlier example of that um, than than into the night. Like I just can't think of it. I'm sure it exists. I'm sure the French have done it for years. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. David Lynch and the Coen brothers are the only other mm. directors mm-hmm. I can think of that really nail that. And mm. even John Landis, I don't think he's ever done that again. Like I've never seen a John Landis movie that really oh. captures that. Like this is scary and hilarious. Mm-hmm. But like oh, Fargo, yeah. well, he's Fargo done it. He's done is it again. the the bad guys in Fargo are you know Steve Buscemi and and yeah, it's like bumbling. Yeah, mm-hmm. like but it's a mess. They're bumbling, but they're the scariest people possible. They're terrifying. Yeah, wood chipper. Yeah, but super you, violent. You said mm-hmm. that. What did you say? That it's scary and funny. Yeah. Well, so that brings me to this. The back to the scene that we were talking about with the amazing yes. penthouse interiors. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a lot to say about that scene in terms of where it's seated in the movies and how it shifts things in the way we see those characters and their relationship Mm -hmm. it's a game changer um but it's the scene where he goes up to the penthouse Mm -hmm. and so it's the so for people that maybe haven't seen it or people that have um they pull up to the beverly wilshire they've done this this whole thing to get her in contact with is it hamid um I can't remember I the so. name of, of the yeah. person who she's connecting with and he's going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And so they drive in the Elvis car to his condominium and she's like, thanks. And that's clearly like the end of it. Like she's going to go up there and he's going to solve the problem and mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum doesn't have to worry about it. And so there's just this sweet moment with them. She tries to give him money. And then there's just like, for the first time we kind of feel like a little bit of like zing or something that this like, crazy experience has has created for them mm-hmm. and she kisses him on the mouth she there's this moment where she they're holding hands that i think is really interesting and she kisses his hand um mm-hmm. his knuckles like holds it presses it to her mouth to her lips and it's just really interesting and it's sweet and she goes into the building to go up to the penthouse and the problem is solved and she kind of like in this beautiful like life uh michelle Pfeiffer physical way like she's walking in her tight jeans and her rad red leather jacket Mm -hmm. and she she just kind of throws like this girlish sort of like sweet like crushy flirty look over her shoulder and off she goes Mm -hmm. and then he just gets the weird vibe they're waiting to call the cab for him Mm -hmm. so he can go get his car or whatever he's gonna do and he is like has the vibe and goes up there and then it is for me a scene that suddenly it shifts. It's so scary to me. That scene is so, so scary to me. Mm. And what's interesting is that now I'm thinking for the first time in connection to that pacing, that weird like slapstick with the hard violence and that pacing is that the film that is playing. So the sound that you hear in the background when Jeff Goldblum's like opens the door and he's calling out and there's no one, Mm -hmm. it's dark. There's the creepy untouched food banquet food like decadent like 
crazy 80s people food in the kitchen. Lights are most are off and he's moving through the space and you hear the sound and then it becomes clear. It's Abner Costello meet Frankenstein. And that's a movie that has um, universal monsters in it with the, but it's like Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney, like it's the OGs reviving their characters. And it is exactly that it is comedy slapstick based comedy zing 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 it's funny it's also a movie that when i saw it as a kid it scared me um a little bit but the way that the sound the way that the dialogue is placed uh in response to the action on the screen is really great yeah i think it's it's fantastic Mm -hmm. it's scary and kind of weirdly funny and strange and it's just that perfect use of that as a device mm-hmm. of the tv in the background mm-hmm. and the scene's horrific everyone is is murdered he comes into the into the yeah. room and there are three people that have been murdered very gruesomely mm-hmm. like str- yeah. just just strewn on the floor and it takes us a second mm-hmm. to even process that that's what's happened for me anyway mm-hmm. and then you know david bowie david bowie david bowie i also, which th- what an amazing role. Talking about David Bowie. I know what an amazing role though. Like, like when we first meet David Bowie, when oh he's God. just like smiling, he's like, you're so good at this. Like yeah. when he's talking Ed, to Jeff Goldblum. So good at this. It's uh-huh. such a cool, this movie is fucking cool. Like it's just cool. I was kind of confused. So David Bowie, who I guess was just on set for like a day because totally. he has the scene with Jeff Goldblum on the street where he puts a gun in his mouth and just like <laughs> smiling the whole time, which mm-hmm. you like, even when he's holding a gun in his mouth, you're like, is this guy good or bad? I don't, I still yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. And then he has Michelle Pfeiffer behind the curtain in that apartment that he just walked through in the horror movie apartment. Yeah. And so he murdered everybody in that apartment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. he's trying to get those gems or jewels or whatever they are. And so then there's this insane, amazing knife fight also. Yes, the when guy, a guy that had been stabbed yes, jumps, comes back to life <laughs> and rushes him because he's got Michelle Kyle Pfeiffer Williams by the throat. Pulls the knife, knife out of his own chest. Yes, and starts. <laughs> they go in this incredible slapstick, crazy rolling around the room uh, knife fight. And Jeff Goldblum is still just like, I don't know what I've got into. And Michelle's trying to just pull him out of there. And they're tra- they just like run away, and she trips over a dead body on her way yeah. out. And then they run away, and they're still. And then there's the last shot of. David Bowie and the guy just holding knives at each other's throats, like trying to stab each other with each other holding their wrists. Yeah. And mm-hmm. is that the last time we see David Bowie in this movie? Yeah, they, yeah but they go out the window. They do go out the window. But oh, together. Oh, but so that is, dead. Yeah, we don't see David Bowie after that. No. That's it for, that's a wrap. On, that's a wrap on Bowie. That's <laughs> what a fantastic, uh, I mean, is it a cameo? I don't know. It's so good. It's so good. It's so the. It's. Insane. I'll go out on a limb and say I think it's the best performance in the film. I agree. I it's, it's absolutely the best. I really but it agree. might also be like not to not to diminish David Bowie in any way at all. But I think it's also one of the best roles. Yeah, it is. It's far. amazing. He's yeah. he. Mm-hmm. When when he's talking to that that moment where he meets Jeff Goldblum and he uh-huh. just he gives off like fucking used car salesman vibes. Yes. And then a gun goes in the mouth and you realize what you're dealing with. And he never 
he never stops being kind of jovial. Mm-hmm. It's right. he, it's like I got Simon Pegg vibes from him or totally. something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just it's just like the the like controlled psycho. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. which is the scariest thing. psycho with his totally. different colored yeah. eyes. I know, perfectly. and he's like it's when you when you shoot Bowie <laughs> in that way, and you really get the fucking eyes. Mm-hmm. It's like God damn it, yeah. that's really unnerving. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But th- yeah, yeah, this is I, I do think that that is maybe the greatest scene in the movie. Not mine. Oh, good. Second greatest scene, because the oh. next gr- the greatest scene in the movie to me is the next scene where they run away from this apartment building and they jump into a taxi cab. Oh, oh yeah. And this taxi driver, oh. the guy, the hitmen come running up with their guns and they pull right into the taxi driver's face and he's like, fuck this and yep. just starts peeling out. Does like a 180 spin and destroys the the people, first of all, and then just drives away, (laughs) goes into a parking garage and knows exactly what to do. Goes like up the thing and the corkscrew goes like wheels around, goes back down it and like tricks them. And then... After the, it's like he, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer are just like confused in the backseat being like tossed around like ragdolls. And then he, at the end of the whole thing, he just gets them completely out of danger. He slams on the brake and he turns around and he goes, get the fuck out of my cab. That is it's so, so good. It's amazing. Yeah. Funny. Just like crazy and good. That perfect. Actor perfect. and that character. <laughs> incredible just he knew what exactly what to do in it that situation great. that was that was my favorite it's so fun so that's so there are a few i mean this this movie obviously like had to have influenced quite a few people who have made movies since mm-hmm. uh but i i have to bring up nicholas winding refn and the movie drive mm. which which yeah, borrows wow. it borrows not only the font the the font for the credits <laughs> oh yeah and the the type of music yeah. Being used in the movie, yeah. but that scene. Oh, man, I love oh, it does. The, I love the, the score for Drive. I oh, it's that. amazing! Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So good. The the opening scene of Drive, where he is driving, he's he's, you know, the getaway driver, mm-hmm. and he goes into to a parking lot, and he knows exactly how to maneuver to get out of it, uh-huh. and then ends up in a in a sporting event right when it gets out. Blah blah blah. Mm. Drive's a fun movie. We should watch it again. We, I should. I've I've watched yeah. it before, and I hated it so much. Oh. I really. Oh wow! I think it's one of the funniest and most enjoyable. I, I gotta rewatch movies. it. Nicholas Winding Refn. Oh, I've problems bothers with him, but... me, but that I want I want to rewatch this movie, and yeah, the soundtrack. It's the Chromatics. Is that yeah, Johnny Jewel, and that mm-hmm. it is an incredible soundtrack, but. I would re- I would rewatch. Snow that. Ira newborn. <laughs> Who's that? Into the night. Oh. <laughs> no, definitely not. That song was starting to really grate on me at the, by the end of the movie. <laughs> well, and we can't shout out David Bowie um, in Into the Night without acknowledging that he's the person that he's in a fight with is a character called Mr. Williams, the who pulls the knife out of his chest yes. and comes through Dave Bowie uh-huh. and played by another great musician, Carl Perkins. <laughs> yes, oh, really? that's right. Oh, okay. Which is just such a, God. such a weird thing. Cameo Eric, do city. You, do you have any, any clues as to why Carl, what's the Carl Perkins connection? I honestly don't know. I don't know. I, I oh. found no, no trivia about, about it. I mean, I'm assuming it's just this, this just reminds me so much of Jonathan Demi. Like, if you told me that Jonathan Demi ghost directed this movie because mm. John Landis was in it, 
I would 100% believe you because as you mentioned with something, something wild, Jonathan Demi really took this kind of vibe and ran with it. Mm. Um, this, this like kooky character, mm. uh, moderately crime thriller, but mostly personal drama mm-hmm. stuff, uh, thing. Mm-hmm. And he, he really made a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. And Carl Parker, it's like they all just hung out with musicians. Musicians apparently in the eighties really mm-hmm. like directors. It really interesting that director thing and all the cameos. Uh, it's they all like, also made music videos. Huh. John Landis made the Thriller video. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so that's no. like a that maybe maybe his most successful project. <laughs> yeah. Wow. His most most seen certainly. So the entire time. He's Michelle Pfeiffer's character is very interesting because he's obviously thinks she's attractive and like just follows her lead into whatever situation. And I was trying to figure out when they were driving away from the airport, I had a rewrite corner brewing in my head where I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I was like, (laughs) but then I was like, no, I was trying to actually put myself in that situation. Like, would I, I don't think I would. I think I would do the exact thing that he did where you just like don't really ask him any questions to try to get her away and, you know, do whatever she needs to do because she's so charming. But the amount of red flags like the just like (laughs) how many people just fucking hate her so much, which is which is the most like accurate thing of this it's, it's, so, the, it's the thing that grounds it in reality for it me it does <laughs> but i was thinking she's the opposite of a manic pixie dream girl and i what yeah, i she's came a up femme with fatale. she's a she's right. a depressive goblin nightmare girl <laughs> <laughs> or a femme fatale yeah or a femme fatale. Like, let's just shorten that up <laughs> yeah let's shorten it up because it's so wild how many like her brother who's this elvis impersonator is just like can't stand her and it's just like he like rented her car out and is just like, get the fuck out of here. His, I hate you. Fuck his you. reasons are valid. Yes. Like everything that's said about her. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with that bitch either. Yeah. Like, like she, it's just, it's crazy. They had, their fight is vicious. It really is. Mm-hmm. It really, yeah. really is in his, like even for Elvis like sibling, sibling stuff. It's really vicious. And it makes sense. Like he's pissed at her. She just disappeared also to, and then she steals his car for this yeah. whole night. Uh, she also steals the wife of <laughs> I mean, that was incredible. <laughs> oh my god. That's... I like that because she was she seemed to actually be in love with a little bit with the um Jack, the the older man who's rich, obviously, and she's trying to get to the entire movie, yeah. but she actually has feelings for him. I yes it seems like yes, to me. I agree. I don't know I don't know from what we're shown yeah it's love sure. yeah but it's it is also like she says to jeff goldblum uh when they're at ship's diner uh-huh. uh eating mm-hmm. ice cream sundaes which is another one being of my served favorite. by amy, amy heckerling director of clueless <laughs> oh my god uh, <laughs> who drops all those sugar things yes oh my god who i love amazing. so much uh-huh. um but she says to him you know i i started hanging out with him it was easy like he was nice mm-hmm. and it was easy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were friends. Like yeah. they were friends. And right. sure, they probably fucked. And he, he may have had, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was entirely aware of what the situation was. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just what it is. Yeah. It's an unexpectedly sweet yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, 
And I mean, who doesn't love Richard Farnsworth, right? And, He's and so I, great. I, I wrote down like young Richard Farnsworth question. Mark? I know. <laughs> I had that same thought this time too. I'm like, that's weird. Why has he just always been exactly mm-hmm. yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Like, He's yeah. just Farnsworth is just like eight million years old and holding. He's Methuselah Farnsworth. Holding. Holding. Yep. Holding. The decades fly. By. Until he yeah, sh- shot himself. Didn't he kill himself? What? What? In real life? Richard Farnsworth. Yeah. Holy no, shit. what? Did I didn't know this. This is years ago. No, what? I may be I may be mistaken, but I do believe that he Jesus. took his own oh, life. What's his suicide most- by gunshot? I hope that yes. you are mistaken. No, yeah. suicide what? by gunshot in two thousand. Wow. He was 80 years old. Wow. He so was he only was... 80 in 2000. How, what is he that? Means he was 55? 55 in this movie? He looked at least 70. <laughs> and I was like, he's Jesus. been 70 yeah. since the 70s. Yeah. Of course, he's also playing a character that is on his deathbed yeah. from leukemia, right? Right. True. What's his most um, famous role? What? Why do I know his Farnsworth? face so well? Great like, Fox. Uh, Mm. Uh, he was in the straight story. He's the guy that drove the tractor across the country. Okay. To see his brother. Oh, the David Lynch one. Yeah. Okay. And the David Lynch yep. Disney movie. <laughs> I watched that a long time ago. Maybe that's why I know him. I, he has such a recognizable face. Mm-hmm. He's also the sheriff in Misery. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And he's super, rem- yes. he's super memorable and yes. funny in that. Yes. That's why, that's why I know him. Yep. But like their thing is sweet where he's like, Basically, like, I'm going to set, you know, I'll set you up. This is, like, the best thing that could happen to you, Peach. Like, he mm-hmm. calls you Peach. Mm-hmm. And there's something great about Jeff Goldblum's character, like, giving them yeah. a moment yeah, together in the midst of all of this craziness. It was yeah, funny because it's... Jeff Goldblum, he was, it was weird. This conversation was so loaded because they obviously have history, but Jeff Goldblum was the one responding to all the things he was saying in that room. It was so strange. Like it was such a, that dynamic was so weird. And then he was like, I'll give you guys a minute to like, whatever it was, you need to do. Well, it was because the, the conversation with Farnsworth is the last, with Jack, is the last piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where we get the, the noir tag that this is all because of a very mundane real estate deal. Right, right. Uh, which just like Chinatown, it's all about. You know, irrigating farms. Mm-hmm. It's all there's. I love. I love this. Mm-hmm. It's my one of my favorite things when he says, "My wife. My wife sells real estate." Like mm-hmm. that is the most boring thing to me, and yeah. right. it has caused the most exciting night of my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because crime is usually <laughs> centered around well, the money. I have for a mundane question things. for the two of you. So, so this character in this film, right? It's his whole life changes in this one evening, right? Like there's mm-hmm. this crazy scene at the end where just guns are blazing and the feds and everybody, there's a confrontation Jesus. between all of the factions at the airport. Oh my and God. And it yes. is berserk, but Ugh. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum in kind of a great, like stumbling, like sleep deprived way, like mm-hmm. just, um, one of the what is one of the secret police like gangster Keystone gangster guys has Michelle Pfeiffer um mm-hmm. has a gun to her head and he's you know holding her hostage and Jeff Goldblum just like walks lurches towards the sky and he tries a couple different things and then 
he kind of just releases and he says, let me ask you something. Like, maybe you can help me. What's wrong with my life? Mm-hmm. And so here's the question, but Joe, you should probably go pee and come back. Um, <laughs> is, is there, have you ever experienced something like that? Like in it, like just this, is there, and there may not, you may not have, I don't know if I have, but it just makes me think about mm. moments. Like people have moments where they're like, that moment changed my life. This is more of like a slow burn. Like, but, but when she comes into his life, that moment changes his life, which is really the whole thing about this story is that it is, he gets his, he finally sleeps. He sleeps for like two days or something and wakes up from what? From the fever dream that was his life, from the nightmare of this experience. Who knows? But mm. we know that his life is never going to be the same. Yeah. It's never going to be that torpor, right? Anyways, that's a long way for me to ask that question. But <laughs> have you had, it's just, you know, I don't know the short way to do anything. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I've had something that profound and that localized. Um, uh-huh. If I, and yeah, I feel like if I had, it would, it would spring to, to mind immediately. Um, but no, like <laughs> my life is pretty, pretty like, I, I wouldn't call my life mundane. By any means, mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty easy going. <laughs> well, I think that's good. I mean, I don't think you. Yeah, want no, to it's have... ideal. Like I'm, I'm, I don't have trouble sleeping, so everything <laughs> is cool. Um, I just I find that scene so interesting because it's it is the climax of the film. Um, yeah. it's it is the most pitched up that anything could ever be. Uh, everybody in LAX has a gun. <laughs> And they are all pointing them. All at, the directors have guns. All of the directors have guns. <laughs> and they are pointing them at this guy who's holding Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. And Jeff Goldblum is just suddenly Jeff Goldbluming, um, which which I love this scene. I think he plays it perfectly. I just here's my question, and this is mm. this may seem like a stupid question. Does the man holding the gun on Michelle Pfeiffer understand English? That's what I was wondering throughout that whole scene. Like, in your mind, does he understand what Jeff Goldblum is saying to him? Well, for the majority of the film, those characters are speaking Iranian, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't mean that he doesn't understand English, but it's... Right, but... <laughs> He we we have never seen him never... use English or respond to English. No, clearly right. he understands English enough to function in Los Angeles and do all these things. So I've never wondered that. I believe that he does. It's just this weird thing where like the jig is up. I think he doesn't. Uh, you think he I, doesn't? No, I don't. I think it's I think it's part of the co- kind of cosmic joke on Jeff Goldblum is that Jeff Goldblum finally. Ah. Unlo- he unburdens himself to someone uh-huh. who he sees as in a worse situation than him. <laughs> uh, oh. And and that person doesn't even understand him, but understands his own circumstances right. enough to shoot himself, to in, shoot the himself face. in the face. Jesus. That's I like that thinking about it. I, for me, this is the moment of the film when I was like, there are things I don't like about this movie. Mm-hmm. It's this this moment of this weird mass shooting that happens at LAX and and the way that the scene is played 
in such a serious way where you can, it's like Michelle Pfeiffer's breath and, mm. and nothing else. And how the serious, the tone gets for this whole thing that really could have been a much more slapstick fun way to, to wrap things up with these two factions that are after them. And it could have been a lot, it could have been a really funny scene of this, like they run, I don't know what, like the slapstick thing that they've been doing for a while, but it, the guy shooting himself in the head and then blood splattering on our two main, Mm. I don't know. Like that's, I felt it makes it, I don't know if I like it or hate it. I don't know if I mm. love it or hate it. Much like the interior design of the <laughs> Rococaine <laughs> apartment. It's like I love it and I hate it at the same time. And I, that's this whole section of the movie where, to me, Jeff Goldblum bearing his soul in that way fell so flat. It it just was like, that. that doesn't make any sense to say. It's kind of illogical, but I get why he's saying it. Like, it's supposed to be this whole wrap-up to a character arc that... I just, I don't really understand Hmm. the motivation or I like your thinking about it. I really like the way you think about it because that makes more sense than where I was just like, I don't What is he, what? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it just is the, it's a necessary scene for a movie. Um, Like it's, it's a necessary scene for that character. Yeah. To unburden himself, or like I say, unburden. He's not really unburdening. He's just again, like, like trying to commiserate with someone who has no idea what he's. In my opinion, has no idea what he's saying. Yeah, and is is like about to kill themselves. Yeah, uh, about to kill. Mich- and it's it's to, to me, it's it's like a mirror of Jeff Goldblum, who's who's like he was possible. They don't play it like this, mm-hmm. but you could you could infer that the character of Jeff Goldblum is at his at the end of his rope and possibly uh considering suicide. I think if the movie was remade today, he would have like uh, uh, he would have met Michelle Pfeiffer during a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. Right. Classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, there's a lot about this movie that culminates here that I also am like this is where the movie either stands or falls for me. And sometimes it stands. This time it stood. You like um, it. Sometimes it falls. Mm. It's just a not. I don't know. There's so much. <laughs> there's so much being brought up and so much swirling around in the story that isn't handled as deftly as I think it could have been. Mm. Um, and I don't yeah. know how much of that is the studio saying we need this to be an action film. Um, or how much of it is John Landis saying, like, I know how to do this. Like, I'm going to do an action film with slapstick comedy. It's going to be like Airplane meets The French Connection. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I love that. Like, I love, I love all the things that it's doing, and I love all the places that it's going. Mm-hmm. It is like, I don't know. if I don't know if it's that there's, like, not enough of one and too much of another, mm. or if it's the way that it's layered together, like the 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 order in which events unfold. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it that maybe the critics of the time also felt like was disjointed because it, people didn't. All the bad reviews, I read a lot of bad reviews of this, and all of them compliment the film copiously, mm. but say something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like mm. there's a good movie here, but it's not where John Landis thinks it is. I think that's what Roger Ebert said. 
Oh, um, but, interesting. But it's like, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there is a great movie here. I think it is a great movie. Yeah. But it's it's so strange. That super violence is really strange. Like in this the pendulum movie. swings so far between yeah. those tones. Yeah. Yeah. It is really interesting. And especially in that, that moment is so brutal. Like you're seeing uh, so many people get shot and a bunch of just innocent people at the airport shield their bodies from bullets. Like it's just yeah, so. I, that's also, we have to think about the time we live in right now. And... Definitely. <laughs> but it's very brutal. The way that that whole scene is shot is just like not funny and not fun at all. And I don't know. It's really strange. Uh, I, I, that's where I have uh, just a little bit of an issue with the movie overall and where it takes away from the fun of the whole night. And it's just like, I don't think it ne- I don't think it was necessary for the plot at all. I don't think, I think it could have wrapped up in a funner, more lighthearted way that the movie when it shines, it's being that a little mm-hmm. bit more. And it did add stakes to the, to the, the villains, but stakes that I don't think I needed in this movie. Like, I don't think I needed to know that those guys were like straight up murderers. I don't, that doesn't matter. Like they're henchmen and they're like doing three stooges slapstick stuff. I don't need to see that they're actual murderers. I like, like that part of it though. Really? I, I do. I like it. I just, but, but just like you, I don't know if it's like, I want, a little more levity or i want more darkness right uh because i know ellen wants more darkness we all know that like more but like i (laughs) i love well because like my my least favorite thing in the movie is is when they kill her friend on the beach um i feel like that's totally unnecessary it was an unnecessary thing um just to show the brutality of these four men (sighs) yeah um while still showing them as kind of oafs to laugh at Right. And then like following that so is my strange. favorite scene with them where they're sitting there eating all of these pistachios mm-hmm. and then this <laughs> this like Persian hard candy that mm-hmm. they break with the butt of a gun. Mm-hmm. It is so cute and funny. Mm-hmm. There's it's like it's the movie swirls around so much with tone yeah. and with how we are supposed to feel about the people that we are s- literally staring at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of mass it's kind of magical. Um, but it is also frustrating. It's like, like it's, it's, I find it frustrating at times. Like I don't, I'm not able to just sit and relax and watch this movie. It's such an active watch. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing that I would have to acknowledge, because obviously I feel the same way about, about this, this strange uh, staccato placement of orgiastic violence yes. with slapstick. <laughs> um but I think it's it's effective. But what it I think what I feel it denies me and maybe he's trying to like break away from this idea or is of or this cliche. But it take for me, it detracts from um, building the relationship between Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's just that one scene that shows them having a moment of tenderness and when i think about it like for me that is like the pivotal moment where it kind of shifts but it's also weird because it's it stands out maybe it honestly as we're talking about maybe it stands out in not a good way Mm -hmm. i think i'm just holding on to it because it gives us a, a glimpse into a different 
facet of these two people. Mm -hmm. But I can think now of a lot of chase and caper movies where like people are shoehorning in those moments of like of hacha like attraction or whatever in right. very in a way that feels I guess maybe we're just lulled into the idea that that is necessary or part of the drill. Mm -hmm. And for me, as somebody that largely tries like to reject sentimentality or some of the pacing that comes with the romance um, when it's inserted within a certain other like situation it's just like oh maybe he's maybe john landis has spared me that and i'm <sighs> finally understanding it mm -hmm. he has spared me that he is releasing me from that expectation that i have been lulled into having against my better judgment mm -hmm. interesting i yeah i think john landis it's like he's so good at those scenes obviously it's effective like that scene is very well done that it's like brutal and it's but the tone of the movie being so different the entire time until that scene for, for most of the time is so strange that like it's like should you should he do a whole movie that's just that that feeling and that energy i don't know like because it's he's really good at doing that well i think some but eric maybe you said it it raises the stakes yeah 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 it it's, does it is unique in that way yeah um the stakes are higher for this time mm -hmm. than like a slapstick you don't because like a movie like this you would be scared to raise the stakes a little bit because you'd want everyone to feel good all the like it's a feel-good sort of romp romantic romp through la right. in the middle of embrace the, the waka waka yeah but then he does that but then also does the other thing which is just like embrace the complete darkness and just just disgusting like uh Here. sadisticness let me wreck it by ha being a John Landis within a John Landis. Waka Waka is, of course, a reference to Fozzie Bear. Oh, yes. Um, which, who, of course, is voiced and, and portrayed by Frank Oz. Frank um, On uh, Jim Henson's, as part of Jim Henson's The Muppets. <laughs> good night, everybody. Yes, yeah, all, good night. all of which are in this film. But, okay, so I do want to go back. I'm curious about Ellen's question earlier. Did you talk oh, about yeah. it while I was in the bathroom? Or oh, I've yeah, I, I've never had like there a hasn't really had a, one that's a that... moment that's that like I have I don't think of a I can't think of a singular moment that's been that life changing for me. Have you had one, Ellen? No. Oh, really? <laughs> it's this podcast. Yeah, this uh, tonight, right now. <laughs> I'm ha yeah, I'm having it right now, and what's causing it is the trauma of why did I ask that dumb question? I don't know. <laughs> I like that question. Um, it's a great question. Good. Does that mean you have a fascinating I, answer? I have that an answer. Make Eric and I feel less human. <laughs> less. Well, less, we have lived less fully. No, it makes me feel really <laughs> weird that I. I do, I'm trying to figure out how to like truncate it into an anecdote, but it's like there was a night. Okay, let me just try, and you can cut this all out of the podcast I know, I'm episode gonna later. Love this. I can already tell. There was a night when I went out with a friend who was just had gone through a divorce and like was very sad in life and was like having a really hard time. And we got so drunk and so high, which I do not ever do to the point where I was like completely <laughs> obliterated. And I vaguely, I was like blackout night. Then from that moment for the whole next couple months, uh, I remember feeling so like obliterated just depression like this energy shift had occurred between me and this person and he i remember a week later we were working together and he came in and he was like 
I felt so great the last week and it was like so opposite from how he had felt for like the rest, like since I had known him. And so it was this like energy shift that had happened. And then I went on this big trip through Europe and like had this whole, this like dark night of the soul, like just really depressive energy in my life for a while which set me on the path of making comics when I got back and like started like what I actually wanted to do with my creative life. But then I just remember seeing, I think a couple years later. So his whole thing in his art was Buffalo. And he was like doing these, these videos of these Buffalo and Yellowstone and he would draw them and it would be like a big thing for him. And I, I, my thing was dogs and these blue dogs and red dogs in my art. And I remember seeing this, big painting at the value village on Capitol Hill, which is gone now as used to be a thrift store that we would always go to in the basement. They had this art and it was a big painting of these, a bunch of dogs attacking a Buffalo. <laughs> I just remember like, <laughs> it was just like this, like, you know, when you're, does your life ever feel like you have a bunch of synchronicities? Like you start to notice yes. them. Like that kind of thing was happening a lot around this night and like whatever happened between us, that energy shift. So that, but it like going through that and like going on this big backpacking trip across Europe and like setting, I feel like when I got back, I was like, I had like finally faced myself or whatever and was like set to do whatever I wanted to do after that. So it was like a, in the end kind of a positive thing, but it was really fucking weird and brutal and just like this crazy one night of just getting this energy transference that happened mm. that was so insane and i always think about and just like is that real or was that a dream did i dream all this <laughs> because that's that's really possible too but it just feels like a dream did you buy the painting oh. no i should have i am oh. so furious with you can i, I can i re rewrite your life Yes. Uh, rewrite corner. Yes, rewrite corner. Um, thank you, Joe. It's nice to be here. It's smaller than I thought <laughs> it would be. It's cozy. Um, okay. And everyone hates you when you're um, in it. <laughs> it's more of a nook, really. Yeah. If I if I shot a film of that mm -hmm. experience, then the final scene, like when you're in the thrift store and you see the painting, mm. um. Michelle Pfeiffer would have a gun I to her head. I feel like the ne <laughs> the next scene would have to be you like walking down the street carrying the painting. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. But then um it would have to so maybe something would happen in between then where we sh we you sit down to to your to happily draw your comics mm -hmm. and like your life is clearly changed and then uh we pan back and the paintings in the dumpster. Uh-huh. Oh, I like it. I love that. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, now I'm getting the fuck out of this corner. God, yeah. it's so claustrophobic <laughs> and get out of my, inappropriate. Get out of my chair. <laughs> oh, speaking I of love, inappropriate. I'm... Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's time, time for Pick Your Pug. Wow. And Ellen begins. I just forgot that even existed. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. It's like a very John Landis moment of me swinging from the most traumatic thing to the. You know, Ellen just like shoots herself in the face yeah, instead of picking a book. Shoots herself in the head. Um. Well, gosh, I'll go back to to what you know. Who was my poke when I first saw this film in the theater? So oh. it's Jeff Goldblum. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Because uh, David Bowie's like. 
permapoke, right? David Bowie is Pantheon Poke. For some. Mm, yeah, for some people. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense for that makes that makes sense. Sixty percent of America. Basics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basics. Um <laughs> this one was tough for me. Oh, really? There were quite a few. Uh quite a few entries. Mm. Oh. All right, I'm going with my heart. It is uh it's Lawrence Castan. <laughs> Who is that? He was Man, I the, love Lawrence Castan. He was the detective at the uh beach house. Not uh, the sheriff, not the blonde sheriff, but the detective oh. who asked the questions. Okay. Uh, is he the one who says that he does he have the line about the cocaine? Does he? I don't know if that's Lawrence Kazan or not. This Lawrence whole Kazan scene is a, just a name I'll never forget because of how many times I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And how oh. many times his name appears, but then also Empire, all the things. All the There's things. so much Lawrence Kazan for me to uh, mm-hmm. gush about. That scene is also uh, just so because it's just this like random girl coming into a murder scene and being like, I she borrowed my jacket. Can I go in and get it? And the cops let her when you're like gorgeous and 20 when you're all fifery when you're Pfeiffer. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. OK. Um, I'm going to go way back to the beginning of the film when so <laughs> the first shot when we see Jeff Goldblum, he like it's like a pan across the bedroom with him with key lighting on his face, mm-hmm. arms up, just awake in his insomnia. And he looks very strange. He looks like a sex doll in that shot. It's like really weirdly. Yeah. It's like airbrushed or something. Like there's something weird going on in that shot for me. Some American gigolo lighting. Yes, yeah. it is. It is for me. Uh, this is this and now are the most attractive Jeff Goldblum has ever been. <laughs> Oh right, like yeah. this movie and and what about current that? era? What Jeff about that Goldblum? shot in Jurassic Park? No, I'm not. Oh, I, I don't do care for that. Pin-up. Anytime he has like a mullet, I'm da- I'm out. But I'm getting to my poke. I have not arrived there. Okay. He then we're shown a traffic scene. Stop beating a, around the poke. Of I'm beating around the poke of a guy in the traffic. It's the like L A. The Playboy. L A. Traffic guy looking at porn in his car, and then a woman crying while eating a sandwich i love that fucking scene everybody so hurts yeah, that's so good Sometimes. and then we cut to jeff goldblum sitting in the car with my poke who is dan, dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. My, he was, he was so my he's cute. my side poke he oh side yes poke. i was wondering yeah he is I've, so dan Aykroyd, cute i've i've been so hot for dan Aykroyd since he was on saturday night live oh, mm-hmm. oh um, wow yeah and up through Driving Miss Daisy, I think. <laughs> that was when he lost me. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> the accent? <laughs> well, no. Just that's when it that's when it stopped to seem like a fun thing to do. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so this is yeah, good cute Dan Aykroyd era. Yeah. Uh in this movie. <laughs> he's a square coworker. <laughs> Who's like go I, to go, here? Little, here's I here. had to. I have to be honest. So the the entire okay. First of all, the place that Jeff Goldblum works is it not Ellen the Seattle Army Corps of Engineers building? Like that is one hundred percent the Army Corps of Engineers building. Uh, That's exactly what that fucking place looked like. Really, and all the men that work there are dressed like that. Oh, white weird. shirts, Ugh. sometimes ties, yeah. really great glasses. Everyone yeah. was wearing great glasses yeah. in that fucking place. 
I can't imagine going to a But a I job wanted like to that. fuck all of those all of those coffee breath <laughs> nicotine stained teeth the coffee white breath. chubby men. I just love them all. They're like all wow. Yeah, you're carrying so on your cute. family's lineage. I know. It's it's nerdy like, white men. <laughs> your whole family. I have loves. this this need. Yeah. You're like fucking vampires. <laughs> to a mass white nerd. Marshmallow. Um, oh, love it. The the workplace. And oh my god! I realize we haven't talked about Cronenberg at all. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. who is our um, link? Who is right. perfect in this movie? Cron mm-hmm. Cronenberg. There, there he be. But there's a poster in Jeff Goldblum's cubicle mm-hmm. thing that I tried for not very long to grease train and try and figure out what it was. Mm. Did either of you catch no. the thing I'm talking about? No, well, I'm just going to put it out there. I won't describe it. At some point, maybe you'll be like, oh, shit, that's this or that. It's so weird, and I can't tell if I am mistaken in what I think I'm seeing in the poster. Like, it struck me immediately as some kind of iconic uh, film poster image. Oh. But then when I looked at it again, I was like, What? So I don't know. Anyways, huh? I wonder what that. it is. I was it just the, the cat with the hang in there? <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park poster. The hang in there. No, I no, I can immediately recognize. I can see yeah. those in the dark. <laughs> and then because I want them to, I yes, manifest them. Of course. <laughs> hang in there, baby. Yes, keep on trucking. So. Cronenberg is basically his boss who's giving who's, who's playing the same role that he did in Nightbreed, basically, yeah, where it's... he's just like himself. <laughs> he can't really do anything else. Yeah. Doctor <laughs> something. Doctor yeah, Decker. Which works for this. <laughs> and it's just like he's just an uptight boss. And then the most insane part of the movie where Jeff Goldblum goes home in the middle of the day in LA for lunch, which is just like something that would just never happen at all. You're right. He goes home to take a nap. Uh, yeah. He, well, he, he, he takes the rest, the, rest the rest of the day off. He the rest of the day off. But he walks up to his house and his wife's having sex with that other dude that she works with, I guess. And it's, that's, a scene that at first I had issues with where it's just like, I want him to like burst through that window and just be like, fuck you. And like, fuck everything. But he just didn't care. And now it's like the scene with Michelle Pfeiffer in the car where it's just like, he does, he's just this like at wits end, doesn't give a shit anymore. Doesn't care. He's like at the like chasm ready to jump in. And that for that scene, I think is great because he's just like he just walks away from their house and he gets walks back away in the car, from his life, emotionless, his, his yeah. entire life. It's I, I well, think... no, because he goes back later and goes to bed, and they have Hagendoss on the oh sofa, strawberry Hagendoss, and good they for you. listen to just call Cal. <laughs> oh, go see Cal. Her, go see Cal for thirty minutes. The that, Cal Worthington <laughs> with the guy riding a hippo on the, which yeah. comes back later in the movie. Which is some kind of statement that I don't understand. It's not. It's a. It's a. It's a. Cal Worthington was a used car dealer That's in a Southern California. Thing. Yes. Oh. And those real, ads yeah. would run constantly. Oh. And they yeah. also ran in the Pacific Northwest. Cal Worthington yeah. had uh, car lots in the Pacific really? Northwest. So we mm-hmm. grew up with, oh. totally with what I always thought. Go see Cal. I always yeah. misheard uh, that. I always misheard. Go see Cal. Um, to believe that it was saying pussy cow. That's what I heard over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Pussy cow. There is an LA punk band called Pussy Cow. Oh my god! I love and that. I do, and I don't know. Incredible. I have to. I've never met this band 
Uh, but if I ever do, I'm going to ask, is your name based on the Cal Worthington? Pussy Cow. Ads. Pussy That's cow. what I heard over and over. I could not stop pussy hearing cow, that. Pussy Cow, Pussy Cow. And then they show cow. a shot yeah. of that commercial, and the guy is really riding a real hippo. Yeah. He's also like yeah. he's also strapped he's to the, the, airplane the roof of an airplane. Wings. Holy shit. Yeah. Like that Cal Worthington. Deal. And his dog spot. Like, and his That's dog insane. spot was always like and a lion or a gorilla. Yeah. And his dog spot. Yeah. Oh. I, I this is I that's amazing. I thought that I thought this was a character we were going to meet later on in the movie. Like oh, that's, that's oh my god, I really love it. funny. No, like, that I was thought they were going to end up at his car real. dealership. Yeah, that, so that's that, like completely seats it in that reality. Yeah, yeah. it that also Cal Worthington's real. It's uh-huh. one of the it's one of the more kind of I don't want to call it lazy, but it's one of the more obvious uh, like criticisms of culture in the mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. everything that we hear on a TV or on the radio is an ad. Mm-hmm. So like the the traffic scene, which I love so much because yeah, it is call, it's going car to car, uh-huh. different radio station jingles. Like yeah. you're not listening, you're not mm-hmm. seeing anybody listening to music. Yeah, but you hear what station they're listening to, yeah. and their personalities all kind of <laughs> you, we we attach judgment to the, their personalities based on station. like that woman, the crying woman is listening to country music. Country music. Uh, yeah. Like it's it, I KCLA. Love, I love it so much. Like oh. there's so many great little nuggets. And then we get to follow the underworld, like for the rest of it. Like that's the the above ground is traffic, mm-hmm. commercials, Hagen Dazs strawberry ice cream that's good for you. Um, yeah, it's good, it's for, good you. for you. That's I I love the eighties. Like, I, I love the eighties so much. I have to talk about Bob Painter's work on this movie mm. because for me, the thing that I do think about a lot with this film. And that I like there's a lot of moments when every time I fly, I think of this sequence from this movie. And I know that sounds a little bit cracked, but the opening sequence mm-hmm. is so incredible to me and so it's successful really in just the light, creating. The landing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's so long. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just so everything like it just sets you up for who knows what i just love it it's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. movie sequences kind of ever really like Mm -hmm. it's just i think it's just so perfect and and i have to acknowledge the way that the city at night is represented i Mm -hmm. thought for sure the two of you would talk about how la's like iconic la stuff is pops up in here but maybe it's like just too rote you know but um, Honestly, there's... it's all gone. It's like gone, almost everything like. that's in this movie, yeah, is gone except for Randy's, uh, Randy's donuts. There was like Tommy's hamburgers, which yeah, there's there's that... still Tommy's, there's, there's still, still plenty of Tommy's, yeah. but like Ships is gone, um, yeah, I know. which is really sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Truly, and then the I mean, I the I don't know about the Rodeo Drive shit because we don't go there. Yeah, we don't go to that <laughs> um, or the Marina and Hollywood. Marina. I mean, Hollywood's the same. Yeah. Uh, with where someone will it's offer a you lewds immediately, people that are gonna t- that are telling you you're gonna right. get towed, <laughs> and you can get lewds again. You can get lewds. the The way that um, Jeff Goldblum's house is under the freeway shot, yeah, yeah, under the freeway Perfect. is so amazing. And then there's that that white street lamp circle bathing the house, and it just looks so anonymous. And so that shot where the airplane is like coming in for landing, the homes that are right around that area have that same almost like life game of life monopoly house 
appearance that you could only get from this aerial moment and mm -hmm. from that kind of lighting like the gridding is so intense but it makes me think too of um gregory crudson's work his beautiful like mm. suburban night uh, oh, photography yeah, yeah. and that treatment of light where it just is such a story unto itself but anyways yeah. i can't can't not can't talk about into the night without that the end i yeah i do love i love that the la like just the that shot in a night shot in a location that and going across the city in every which way every neighborhood like it's just so there's something so fun about that and then showing all those landmark areas i don't know what it is that it's so cozy feeling yeah that i don't know what it is but yeah like even though i know those those places are gone it's like still it it did really remind me of uh, the big Lebowski too. Like yeah, that's another. Yeah. Isn't that another like happened one night <laughs> movie? Sort of. Yeah, like it's like a. Couple I mean, it's the same. It's the same kind of fool's journey yes. story. Yeah, totally into crime and like yeah. rich people's. So I guess yeah, it's the tarot. It. The tarot originated this. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah, I I really like that about this movie for sure. That's so fun. I like. I that... have to bring up heart to heart. Oh please, mm -hmm. please. Sorry, do. I cut you off. No, that's okay. Finish your thought, and I will. Oh, I was going to say that back. I I just uh, the the I like that all of the characters get a moment to be likable. Um, every character in the mm. movie, even the bad guys, even the the Keystone Killers, like we we do kind of like them because they're just like frequently just having a good time. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. then we, you know, get to see them just mm -hmm. unload their guns mm -hmm. for ridiculous reasons. Yikes. Even though that dog was aggressive. That yep. dog was really... <laughs> it shouldn't have barked. such a great moment. Those, par those parrets also wanted to so eat horrible. Oh, and the, I mean, the, so guy, horrible. the guy that was, uh, the guy that had the dog in the elevator, mm -hmm. he's the director of Creature of the Black Lagoon. Oh my Creature God. Of the Black Lagoon. Of course he is. <laughs> Did the dog direct a movie too? Yes, uh, the dog bug? directed Bingo. We, uh, yeah, just... <laughs> that makes sense. The dog uh, was also creature, a director. Created by a woman. Um, <laughs> Hearts on the Run. Hearts on the I Run. I don't know that I need to say more. Yeah. Hearts on the Run. Hearts on the Run. No, you do need to say more because I can't. What happens? It's when we're Jennifer witnesses the mob boss murder in mm -hmm. the parking garage. Oh, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Knife and Ottoman. Yeah, knife and ottoman. Is that forever, the orangery episode too? Forever knife and ottoman. Because I was thinking about the orangerie. Orangerie. No, that was uh, that was blues. But that that's the one where they blue fake. chip murders. No, where they fake getting a divorce. They fake uh, fight yeah. at l'orangerie. I guess we have to rewatch every hard to hard episode. I think we do. Just right. I'm starting I to forget I mean, them. So it, it's the only way to answer those mysteries. Again. We got to be There is no we'll other start, way. <laughs> start from the beginning. I mean, the parking garages are one of the stars of this yeah. this film too. True. It's just so crazy. Oh my god. Yeah. That's the scene where that guy gets stabbed. Whoever she's with at the beginning and then he gets Aussie. stabbed and she Aussie. starts running away. That's that's terrifying too. That red wall behind her. It's so good. It's mm -hmm. just so quick. Like mm -hmm. I there's so little time wasted in this movie. Yeah. The I think one of my last notes is when she's on the phone. Who's the big mob boss lady who's incredibly stunning looking? Oh, Pappas, Irene Pappas. Irene Pappas. She is she's so fucking cool. Fucking cool and incredible. I just want to hang out with her. She she's Hollywood amazing. royalty. Like, oh, she's, she is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, she's incredible. Those eyebrows. 
but start when, a shop of war. Come on. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> when Michelle Pfeiffer's, it's so funny when she saw the phone with her, and she's like, "If you ever want to see these stones alive again, ever." <laughs> it's like she's like trying to like have this mentality of being this like drug dealing whatever like oh, arms dealers that was another element of the movie so that was funny. like for whatever reason just kind of irking me last night when we what? were watching it the constant referral to these emeralds as the stones the stones that everyone was just like the stones the stones the stones stones because stones. Yeah. they were like from a crown or something right yeah a scepter but a it's scepter. like that's that's what you call i'm sure it's linguistically correct mm. <laughs> But they're jewels. Let's jewels. <laughs> they're emeralds, and I was. I guess if you're up, if you're doing like like nefarious shit, you wouldn't necessarily say I'm carrying a bunch of perfect jewels, right? In her vagina, by the way. Which <laughs> I was I was yeah. wondering like what how much are emeralds yeah. worth? And they are worth a lot of money. They can be. Oh, were you not also shocked at how little money they were asking for? Um, like, yeah, I, I love that. I love twenty five thousand dollars. Twenty five thousand dollars, and she but the even. She says, "That's nothing. Why? Why are you risking so much for like twelve and a half thousand dollars? What are you doing?" Yeah, and- it's because that's the way to do it. And in in their minds, they're just asking to be paid for the work that she did. Yeah, and that then, if you have any kind of honor, yeah, they're done. We're, yeah, we're that's out. why it's twenty five thousand dollars. But when you think about it, nineteen eighty five, shoving uh, the stones up your who. Hoo-ha. <laughs> um for a flight from uh Switzerland getting twenty five thousand dollars. Admittedly, I don't know what the going rate is for muling at any for time, honestly. Stones. But, but yeah. um, you know, getting six whatever, six of them. Um, but that seems like a decent amount of money for that. I just want to let anybody know out there that if you need someone to transport six perfect emeralds inside their body for twenty five thousand dollars, I will. Available. I will do it. I will. I would do that do too. Because are you not allowed to bring emeralds on a plane? You can bring. You can have an emerald bracelet and bring it on. A I plane. mean, customs. Customs are going to be like that's like I. I think. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm poisoned by film. But I'm assuming <laughs> customs. What a way to go. Huh. Well, I mean, they 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 know how much money you're carrying. Well, they don't know how much emeralds are worth because I looked it up and it was an insane range of yeah. value for emeralds. <laughs> then you would have to you would have to know what you were talking about to know how much emeralds specifically are worth. So I don't know what the problem with it's, bringing yeah, these emeralds I mean, on a plane was. It seems like you can you can smuggle jewels pretty easily because you could just say they're costume jewelry if need be. Yeah, that was the customs. confusing. That was like I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it's like, in why this are movie? you carrying costume jewelry in your um, in your vagina? It's like a writer's. Uh, I don't know. I like, think it's emeralds. This, it's maybe just digging too deep into it. But mm-hmm. 1985, after the fall of uh, the Shah's regime, like you're gonna shove them up your. Your blonde friend's vagina. (laughs) Blonde friend's vagina. Because um, you're Pfeiffer. Like there's there's a whole weird little like tiny tiny bit of backstory, right? Where it's like those things were. It's like a national treasure, but also there's some owner. The family owns them, so in essence, they're saying that it's it's their family's property, Hossie's family's property, and so he's bringing them over, right, to sell for that. 
when yeah. the development property goes into escrow, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. That's a, it's like even the writers are like, it doesn't matter. Don't even worry about it. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah, they're like, like they're blah, blah, blah. The yeah. Stones. There's like stones. Everybody wants that was, them. Yeah. That, that was the exposition scene in the movie when they're sitting yeah. on a set. She's sitting on like this, this a New York stoop uh, on a Hollywood set and telling him. <laughs> yeah. This story, but remember when they overthrew the Shah? And I'm like, no, no what? one remembers that. Yeah. Of course, right. in it 1985, was yes. 20 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In relative time, it would just happen. Those set gags were like, he goes to use a payphone <laughs> and then they get taken away and then he gets sits on a rock and yeah. it like crashes through and it's like all right we get uh, it we get it I, I <laughs> that's just, enough it makes right. me laugh every time i can't help it i do I love when he sits on the rock i laugh when they take this the payphone away i laugh <laughs> it's not when he sits on the rock that and it crashes through it's i think i feel like this is a very jeff goldblum moment and a reason i love him in this movie is he's still sitting in the yes. broken rock <laughs> when the a car pulls up he just when like, Paul just like shows up, well, just oh whatever just gonna chill here i feel like that was oh, just like a jeff goldblum edition i love paul mazursky uh as an actor more than a director i think but i do mm. love him and it's because of a movie that he also directed called down and out in beverly hills <laughs> oh. oh i love down and out in beverly hills yeah. so much more than than it needed to be and i i actually have a soft spot that i probably should never watch this again because i think i'd be like what but I also enjoyed Moon Over Parador. Oh, I love Moon Over Parador. Yeah. I saw that yeah. like two or three times in the theater. <laughs> it delightful. came out at a time when there wasn't anything delightful. else delightful. Wait, yeah. are we talking yeah. about movies that are related to this movie? In he that directed them. Some, someone from this movie is something to do with the movie that you're talking about? We are. Oh, so maybe it's time to pick our links. I think it might be. <laughs> Ellen, did you have any other, other things to... To add about, I have to wrap to the, the Mazursky thing by just calling out an unmarried woman, which is brilliant. I do love that movie. Oh, that yeah. very, very long movie. Clayberg. Mm. Um, Clayberg and Kelly Bishop. Yes, that's right. We've talked about an unmarried woman before. Um, anyways, it's time to pick links. Time to pick it links. Is. Okay. And Ellen, okay. you're first. Wow, like I've been veering wildly <laughs> um, through the all of the folks involved in the making of into the night and i showed my hand earlier so many picks it's overwhelming but i'm gonna follow a dp cinematographer uh bob painter oh wow dp okay into um, what but he also acts in, in into the night in my defense he um <laughs> he appears in a scene in it um i could have just followed john landis but I love to call out the DP. Um, of course, in a film oh. rock, like just packed with obvious choices. <laughs> Wait, what? What movie are you? An American Woman from London. Yay! Wow. Wait, the DP directed by John Landis. Yeah, directed by John Landis. Not following John Landis. Okay, you're following the DP. Okay. Damn it! I I kind of want to just jump on that. I'm not going to do it. I want to jump on that because you know why. Um, mm. But <laughs> wait, why? Because it's because it plays into my game of getting Corey Brewer back onto the. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh. Because Griffin Dunn is the star of After Hours, and I really, really wanted to just jump right to After Hours. But guess what? There are no links from Into the Night to After Hours. I looked at every I fucking person credited in this film. Huh. 
unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I have to get to after hours. I know. Primarily because Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> Okay. So I'm picking, uh, there, okay, again, there were so many, there were so many and so many great ones. So uh, the hooker in front of Fredericks of Hollywood Dee Dee. is Dee Dee Pfeiffer. That's Michelle Pfeiffer's younger sister. And she's oh. in a movie called Vamp that I really love. Oh, uh, oh my God. Then the shows. drug dealer that comes up to, to them and offers them lewds is Rick Baker, the makeup artist that did yeah. the fucking vi- makeup effects in Videodrome and Altered States. Oh, my God. Yeah. And American legend. Werewolf in London. He's a legend. Legend. Oh, so you could just choose him. Uh, Jonathan Lynn, as I mentioned, directed Clue, which I thought would be a great movie for us I all to talk about. Up. I love Clue. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Amy Heckerling. It would be really fun to just piss Ellen off and choose Clueless. It's not a mystery <laughs> or a supernatural thing. It's not spooky or dark. Sorry, but as Ellen brought up, Jonathan Demi is in this movie, and (gasps) I really would love for you to see something wild. So I'm picking Jonathan Demi as my link in the film Something Wild. I almost went with Married to the Mob. Something right, Pfeiffer the Pfeiffer the could have been a Pfeiffer was very strong (laughs) for me. Okay, hard to resist. Interesting. Okay. When I heard that Jim Henson was in this movie, because <laughs> I did not realize I was Jim Henson, oh I frantically <laughs> started Googling to find out, did Jim Henson do the E.T. There's Muppet? There's so many ways to labor in. Puppet? Labyrinth. No. He didn't have anything to do with E.T. No. Because I, yeah. I'm, Joe is, yeah, I'm Ellen. shooting for E.T. <laughs> I was like frantically Googling if... I this really... is some sort of revenge for Nightbreed. <laughs> it's revenge for <laughs> for rewrite corner. <laughs> I'm uh yeah, the cat's out the bag. I'm shooting towards ET. But since Jim Henson didn't have anything to do with ET, I was thinking about these f- super fucking violent scenes out of nowhere. And I what it reminded me of was an American Werewolf in London. Oh my god. And oh. then I didn't know that that was the same director. Yeah. And so that's my Pick. Wow. That's my link. I love well. it. I'm obviously very happy if if either of these get picked. Here we go. Here we go. Spin that wheel. I Eric has been selected. Oh, Eric. Oh my god. <laughs> the odds were against you. Totally. But we are this is my first movie in a while too. We yeah. are watching Something Wild starring Jeff Daniels and who I do believe might be the original Manic Pixie Dream Girl, oh. Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Oh, really? With okay. the first time I think I ever saw Ray Liotta. Wow. Uh, in one of his Rest best roles. I can't wait. This movie is so fucking great. It's it's everything you like. Okay. I love this movie. I'm assuming Ellen loves this movie. As and well. I also have news, I do. I do. news for the both amazing. of you, since you both probably don't care. It's The next episode is our season finale. Oh, shit. It's 24. <laughs> what does that mean? I we don't, still don't know. know what that means. Nobody knows. Are Nobody we just Joe made it up. <laughs> I'm making it up and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Are we going to, we'll reassess, we'll, we'll, we'll assess. assess. We'll assess. I, I after think wild. we could go back and just at least reiterate where we started and the chain of <laughs> what we've watched. And I would be love to be reminded of all the things that we've watched because I can't remember half of them. I would love a do. I would dig a recap. I think it would be fun. All right, listener, I hope that you are with us still. I hope that you watched <laughs> I hope that you watched uh Into the Night and I hope that you enjoyed it because it's so fun. And please watch 
something wild with us something wild is on all of the pluses it's on mgm plus paramount plus uh it's on the criterion channel if you have a criterion channel oh uh it's also on tubi with ads and pluto canopy um it might be on canopy i'll check uh, but it's it's readily available. It's not a, it's not hard to find. Uh, and if you wanted to go rent it from your uh, local mm. video store or your library, pick it up from the library. I'm Sc- sure they have Scarecrow it. Scarecrow Video. Um, something Wild is on Canopy. It is so nice. it's on Canopy. Oh, if you have a library card, Sign you have it for your free. Library card. Fun. Um, can't wait to talk about this movie. I have right. some. Be prepared. Yeah, I'm saving. Because I like for the pod. to talk about Ray Liotta. Oh. And if you do, and you want to send us a minute max, you can. You can just send it as a little voice recording on Instagram at it was murder pod, or you can message it at to me on Twitter at it was murder pod, or you can email it to me at it was murder pod at email at at email at gmail dot com yeah. at email dot com. Um, if you haven't yet, please rate and review the podcast. Give us five stars. Say something nice. It'll help us. Or put us out of our misery. Or, yeah. Either either way. <laughs> either way. And put us out of Joe's anyway. misery. Yeah, put us out of Joe's misery. Yes. Just consider this podcast uh, an Iranian man holding a blonde woman with a gun uh, that's about to turn it to themselves. So just you not- decide whether we turn that gun on our face. Or, wow. Or uh, drop it and yeah. let everybody Jesus. live. Uh, God, if you blow your that's the difference out, between five stars. <laughs> if you splatter your a blood, nice wow. <laughs> splatter blood all over. Zero to, Jeff oh my Goldblum God. and I'm, Michelle I'm Pfeiffer. in the spirit of the movie. Yeah, uh, we're the we're the like you're searching through IMDb for the actor that you know. The podcast. That's what we are basically. Yes. I'm just discovering that in our <laughs> final episodes. <laughs> like when you look at IMDb to figure out what other other things have people have been in. This that's what we're doing. That is we're this is this is uh, IMDb scroll mm-hmm. the podcast, which I like. I do too. And with that, um, I'm sorry that someone killed a dog in this movie, but it was really really yeah. funny to me. Uh. Uh, <laughs> Ugh. I'll try. I think I might like make a little video of that dog. Oh, because it's the way I won't do the shooting, help. but like the just the when, dog, the 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 aggressiveness of that the dog. dog is going berserk. When they've also run out <laughs> so of the, funny. they're they've just been in a knife fight, ro- rolling yes. around the room, and they run out to get in the elevator. She's pounding on the elevator button, and it opens up, and that dog barks in their face. And the way she reacts, she throws her arms in the air and screams. Yes, and they both go running for the stairs, which is also just fucking incredible moment. In this yeah, movie. oh, there's so, tons of incredible moments. So good. Yeah, listener, I hope you watched. Uh, it was great. <laughs> and with that. Two dogs everywhere. Yeah. Good night, freeway. Good night, freeway. Good night, freeway. R.I.P. The dog in the elevator. <laughs> elevator dog. Elevator dog.